Hey, does it be here? We got a cracking episode for you today. Soundwaves chapter 13. Fiberglass is the new vinyl. To begin, we paddle out, do a few floaters, discuss some of the best and the worst of 2020. Then we pull into the shack for the main event. Stanley and I attempt to pair selected surfboards with classic albums. As one might combine a Margaret River Shiraz with, say, oh, I don't know, a Big Mac. Um, Stanley, he's in top form. Tonsils of pure gold. Um, while yours truly sounds like I'm speaking through a tin can on the dark side of the moon. Sorry about that, but we are a work in progress. We normally finish as usual with the where is my mind quiz, but stay tuned this time because we have a special mystery guess. Okay, it's uh, Roscoe Pickhole Train. He actually sounds worse than me with his cheap imitation earbuds, but stick with him because he's got a few cracking yarns about his running with the Rico Bonza, why French snowboarders are still talking about him to this day on and off the piste, and just what board is tickling his fancy. Okay, let's do this. G'day listeners, you're tuned to Soundwaves, a podcast that explores the nexus between surfing and music and the nefarious spaces in between. Between the wave and the rave, between the heaving shack and the Marshall stack, between neoprene and spandex, the mosh pit and the death pit, fiberglass and vinyl, the boogie and the board, between Brian Eno and George Greeno. So wax up your stick, crank up the stereo and paddle out into the secret sonic surf spot that is sound waves. Tales from the shack, 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 shack. You don't find that offensive? No, you don't, don't find that sexist? This is 1982. That's Bobby, right, come it's on. 1982. Get out of the 60s. We don't have this mentality anymore. Well, you should Listen have seen the me. cover they wanted to do. Recording. <laughs> hey. <laughs> g'day, g'day, Dazza. Stanley. How pleasure. Are Always a pleasure. Uh-huh. Good. Likewise. Good. Likewise. Here, hang on. This is the uh, sound of relief. Oh, yeah. Oh, is that a, a uh, can of is that a beer? San Miguel Especial. I am just about to. I'm in the process of ordering a mid-length board. Um, uh, I'm in the also the process of uh, working out what's best for me. But I'm at the present time. I'm thinking it's going to be a seven o. So, sure. Okay. Seven o. Yeah. 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 Um, so, I had a look on the. Uh, ci website and they've got you can actually punch in your weight and your height and stuff and uh and your experience level although it's it's pretty yeah it's pretty funny because it's you know the weight and height okay that's uh that's there's no um subjectivity (laughs) on that (laughs) um but then the the three options you have for surfing level is beginner intermediate and advanced and um, that's, that's no 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 gray area there. It's just no yeah. no. I mean, fuck it. I'm I'm ordering a high performancey board. Um, no I'm gonna You're say advanced, mate. I'm gonna say I'm advanced. Um, come on, come hell or come hell or fucking high water. <laughs> you will be when you get it. That's amazing. And um, it's all it's, about uh, how you are in your mind. Yeah, it's the mid-length crisis that we're all having <laughs> at the moment. Boom, 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 boom. You like that? 
I haven't succumbed yet, but I'm, I'm about to. And in the 70s, my dad had a board called the Huevo Caliente, which was this really beautiful looking mid-length egg sort of board. And we've been looking at pictures of that around the factory lately, and we felt pretty inspired by that. So we dipped back into the archives, pulled out some of those old templates to accomplish those curves, and yet updated the bottom so that the board performs like a modern board, but has some of that classic feel and vibe that my dad created so long ago. Good model, wouldn't it? I'm actually very excited because I was surfing some particularly delicious hollow waves a couple of days ago on Boxing Day, actually. Um, obviously, they don't celebrate Boxing Day in this neck of the woods. Um, however, I was um, by getting shacked. And, um, <laughs> and one of my mates um, who I don't see too frequently, he... Uh, he was out there on a, he's a big fella. He's 190 and 95 kg or something like that. 92 kg. So he's a big boy. Um, yep. Unusual for the locals, but anyhow. And he was on a 7'8 um, mid length and uh, was having a, he was having a whale of a time picking up the waves further out, getting some, because it was, it was a really nice kind of wedge up peak. And if you, you, yeah, you, right. you could get into them early, they were kind of just hitting this one spot where you could just kind of slingshot into them. And uh, right. his 7.8 was just picking up everything. It was really nice. So Nice to watch. Nice yeah. to watch as you're sitting, not hitting <laughs> any waves. No, it was all right. No, no, I, 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 I got my fair share, which was good. But um, it's been good. Cold, very cold. I think I also sent you a photo of my uh, car just before I... Uh, when I was driving on the way to the beach and it was one degree. So, <clears throat> um, yeah. yeah, it was Ooh. cold, a lot warmer in the water, but still pretty, pretty deadly getting uh, in and out. That's for sure. I've had a number of sessions where for whatever reason, I've actually been cold before I even got into the surf and then you've fucked. If you like yeah. I, who are fairly, uh, fairly skinny mongrels. Um, oh my God. Yeah. yeah. You know, Have you read? There's nothing worse than already being cold and when you've not even... Well, that's it. So. It's like your base position is... is uh, have you read Shackleton, you know, the, when they're oh, all stuck on the Shackleton, on the Shackleton, the uh, tube hunter who went to the Antarctic <laughs> in search of barrels. Is that him? The worst surf trip ever. <laughs> um, well, they call me Shackleton. I'm going to go and find some shacks. <laughs> Nobody died on that trip. And when I read that, I thought if I was there, I would have died. Like they were getting into sleeping bags that were frozen. Um, well, they also, they also, you know, and, they oh. lived in a cave or a snow cave on it, subsiding on whale blubber for food, oh. and for food and for light and for heating. And by the time they came out, whatever, at the end of the winter, four months later or whatever, everything was black. They were black. It was just like breathing in burnt whale blubber and then eating it. This huge floater all the way down elevator drop somehow pops back up. <laughs> floaters. Ah, uh, floaters. So what's, what's, the... been, what's been floating your boat in isolation, mate? Um, well... Um, 
I, I just coming up to 2020 or end of, uh, I, I used to love the end of 20, uh, end of year lists, you know, the best ofs, the worst ofs, particularly with music. Um, uh, I don't know about you, but I, I, I love those. Mm-hmm. And, but I've found lately, I've, I think, well, I think I sent you a quote is basically by this Chinese prime minister back in the seventies. And he was asked, you know, what do you think of the effects of the French revolution, you know, some 200 years before or whatever. And he said, too early to tell. <laughs> and <laughs> I think I now have the feeling of that with music. I think what's the rush. It is nice to hear something new, but, let the let the shit kind of fall away and the, and the cream rise to the top and and there's no rush you'll you'll discover it if it's good you know what i mean well one one um, of my, uh, one of my literary heroes uh, he 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 um i guess he's a modern philosopher um nasim taleb nicholas nasim taleb who wrote uh, oh, did the he write Black, the black swan yeah the black swan fooled by randomness um uh, that's a number of others. He, one of his philosophies is don't read anything that's younger than 25 years old. <laughs> so, and he said, definitely, he, and he says, definitely do not read newspapers. Don't bother with, you know, social media and all of that crap. Um, only read classics if you can, uh, but make sure that it's 25 years old at least. So wow! Uh, so we—I don't we'd know if just be watching Litmus now or something like that. <laughs> was that mate? Uh, I, I hope that's not twenty-five years old. That's great. Is it? So anyone listening to this podcast twenty-five years from now, <laughs> I hope we've aged well. <laughs> and you're a bunch so of <laughs> bunch of pricks. Um, now this is so so rather than a best best of list, there was a. The Guardian did a good riddance 2020. They had a vote for, um, this is the Guardian Australia, did a 2020 playlist. Yep. Just of all songs that were summing up the year. Um, the top one was This Year by The Mountain Goats. So if you know that one, I think I sent that to, to, the, to the boys. That was my yeah. pick actually. The end of the world as we know it, REM, pretty, um, but but interestingly, they had Always Look on the Bright Side of Life by Monty Python, <laughs> um, and the next Here Comes the Sun by the Beatles, and um, wow. I thought that was quite nice. So some positivity for the year, I suppose. Um, there's even a Trifford song there, so well, yeah, having, I don't know. Said that, having said that, Always Look on the Bright Side of Life does then turn into Always Look on the Bright Side of Death. Just before you take your terminal breath. And so the next list was the Monster Children Worst Songs of 2020. (laughs) G'day, Hollywood and Monster Children. Yep. Always 
cutting edge are cool, but they've listed the worst songs. Luckily, I haven't heard of many of them. There's Justin Bieber's Yummy. Don't know that one. Um, Jake Paul, Fresh Out of London. Um, <clears throat> but the, um, uh, the funniest looking one is at the very end. It's just like country and western song called I Love My Country by Florida Georgia Line. From a stand, catch a fish with a barber, drink a beer out the can, liquor out the bottle, how the good Lord intended it. Yes, he did. I love my country, I love my country. Six string and fiddles and ski from Kentucky. We keep it funky, we like how it sounds. Monday to Sunday, yeah, I love my country. Up loud and proud, rolling into town, hanging out the window like a blue tick. Drinking beer out of the bottle like the good Lord intended. Yeah, you like that? You can't argue with that. Well, that's so. That's me for music-wise. Couple of little little uh, snippets there. How about you? What's uh, what's been floating uh, well, you off? Music-wise, I have been watching a twenty-five minute and forty-six second uh, live rendition of Mike Oldfield's Tubular Bells at the BBC in nineteen seventy-three. Oh my God! Yeah. That sounds yeah, obviously. I've I I knew about Tubular Bells and um, uh, particularly the uh, album cover. Being speaking of album covers, as we will be today, um, the album cover's pretty uh, pretty sick and pretty unique. But this is really interesting because um, Mike Oldfield and a heap of musicians and a mini orchestra and everything. They just because the song itself is is a bit of a journey, and it's uh yeah it's it's pretty pretty tripped out actually, and uh, yeah he's playing all sorts of instruments and they all look suitably nineteen seventy three, um, and I mean you know I, it's it's it just goes to show where people's heads were at, people still hadn't cocaine still hadn't um, kicked in. <laughs> And and the, and the depression of the um, the general malaise that that fueled most of the seventies hadn't kicked in. People still had the the spark of uh, electricity um, from the sixties in them. And uh, Mike Oldfield, yeah, definitely shows it. So I would recommend it to anyone. Get on, get on the get on the tube, and uh, and you'll find it very interesting. Typically, I in in my music listening career, I've always seemed to be the Johnny Come Lately. I had tubular bells 2 at home i think my parents might have bought it so not even the 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 original but there's a track on there called the bell and i loved it and there's a guy kind of introducing instruments as they come along and it's alan rickman Must have been young, yeah. Alan, Alan Rickman, young. Well, I think this was made in probably the 80s, or right? Okay, it wasn't the 70s. 
yeah. Anyway, so there you go. Jeez. A little bit of tubular bell trivia, trivia there. Well, I mean, it's it's it is a very again, it's an apt title for uh, for this podcast. Um, yes. On, on a similarly nineteen seventies tip and uh, moving into the surfing realm, and I guess you could call this definitely tubular. Uh, he's not a bell, but uh, one of the <laughs> latest one of the latest Mason Ho videos. Oh yeah. He's on a seven six at Rocky Point. I don't know if you've seen this. No, I haven't. It's, I mean, Rocky Point looks super, super perfect. Obviously, he, he I'm sure it's an absolute nightmare. Um, it's heavy, it's shallow and uh, very localised. But he is spending more time in the, in the cone zone than is humanly possible. And he's on this 7-6 <laughs> just throwing it around and, you know, doing cheetah fives and... Uh, yeah, right. Just getting shacked off his head, doing bunny hops, um, all sorts of weird and wonderful stuff. It's, yeah, it's, and of course he's, he's got the usual, uh, the music is always like, it's like, you know, a Hendrix outtake or a, um, it's lots of Hendrix, but um, something along those lines. And it's always very entertaining. Always, always fun to watch, isn't he? He's, he's he, is the court, he is the court jester of the modern surfing age. He really, uh, and he's not only having the most fun, he's absolutely ripping the bag out of it and spending so much time in, yeah. the, in the shack. It's ridiculous. Uh, well, um, also for my float, uh, Surfwise, if, if you've finished your floater, <laughs> finish my up there floating. <laughs> um, well, no, I watched a really cool, um, relatively new surf movie called Outdated Children, um, which is a, actually a line from a Dr. Zeus book, apparently. Wow. Uh, adults are just outdated children, uh, which I kind of like. And this guy, Mick Waters, haven't really, don't know much about him, but he, he basically travelled for a few years with his family and sort of documented some of the people he met on the road. Um, he's obviously kind of in the industry, I think, because he's, he's met quite a few well-known surfers on the way. And, uh, but yeah, some great footage of, of just raw, like South Australian surf and, um, Western Australian, like he, he meets, or he, he, there's a section of camel, uh, who I'd never actually seen surfing much. He's the full G-Land legend from back yeah. in the day. And, yeah. uh, the, uh, you know, the West Coast. Uh, WA Charger. There's this shot of him at uh, Toomey's, just this crazy barrel. But he's an interesting dude. Um, didn't really know much about him. but uh, I've read, I've re I remember reading his... something in a tracks magazine or something and it was like, you know, they were in the middle of nowhere and then Camel just kind of appeared out of some bit of spin effects or something and, you know, he'd been living, <laughs> he'd been living in a cave for six Munching months, on. surfing every day. <laughs> yeah. And, Just trying to get away from it, so I just like find these really sharky spots and go out, and it's like the best way to do it, I reckon. Fuck that 
surfing around where there's heaps of people. Oh, it's just like madness. Do you reckon, could we do our best and worst, like pick one song and, and one wave of the year that you, that you remember? Wow. Yeah, for sure. Personal? For sure. Um, whoa, the wave of the year. That's a, that's a difficult one. I'm going to, I'm going to say the wave of the year for me is again, sticking with the same thing. There was a video I watched of Mason Ho and he was surfing, I think it was in Brazil actually. And it was like this refraction where the, the, the surf was just smashing into this cliff and then he was catching the, the re refractions off it that then went into this kind of the wedge up of the next wave that was coming in and it just turned into this big kind of oh. creepy refraction wedge up. And then, you know, he was doing all sorts of wild, wild shit and just, just the pure kind of, uh, I mean, I'm, I can't think of one particular wave, but you know, there were several of them in, in that particular clip. And um, yeah, just the just kind of counterintuitive way that he can catch waves. It's quite, it's really quite impressive. So yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah. That's um, gonna be my that'll be my wave of the wave of the year. And I think in a topsy turvy, fucked up year, um, it's something like that is an antidote to 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 the norm. You know, um, I think we need a, yeah. need a bit of need a bit of. Uh, Bit of madness, yes. To, to combat yeah. the craziness. Yeah, for me, I reckon you know that uh, that movie Pentecostal. Yeah. Um, oh. There's a way good. Good. Yeah. There, I watched that with Mrs. Bodger, and she's definitely usually is yawning through surf movies if she happens to be sitting through one. But she was just transfixed as I was. There's that. There's this the session. I think it. He pass. So there's this one particular barrel because he gets shitloads of them. Yeah. But the detail, the the camera work in that is so crisp and so high definition that you feel like you're kind of sitting on the shoulder watching him. So there's this one where oh, it's heavy. There's a barrel that kind of just goes next level. It just goes, just just goes even bigger, and you can see his shirt kind of flapping in the breeze of the blowout or the just the the air currents moving around the barrel and you just get this sense that you kind of I don't know it's almost a 3d experience that that was mind-blowing Each, each successive wave just gets more yeah. and more better. And then, and then you know, there's those ones where they, they're just bottom turning, and the whole thing is just fucking dropping out in front of them. And you just know it's, it just gets bigger and bigger as it goes down the line, right? Uh, that's that's a good call, yeah. mate. That um that Pentecostal is a is a damn good film. Good good uh, music as well, you know. 
And how about your best song of 2020? Is that no. too hard to put you no, on the spot no, for? No. Or? It's without a shadow of a doubt for me. It's And I talked about this just last episode. It's Destroyer's Crimson Tide. I just love that song. I've listened to it a zillion times. And I was like the laziest river A vulture predisposed to eating off floors No, wait, I take that back I was more like an ocean Stuck inside hospital corridors My condition in general Despite what they say improves so I could care less on a night like this. I'm on the lookout for anything that moves Crimson Tide. Yeah, it was a good, it was something I discovered one night when I was deep into lots of red wine. I probably, probably, yes, definitely. <laughs> yeah. Um, let me think, let me think. Uh, yep. You, um, they, have you got a, yeah. have you got a standout? This band and one song just stands out as it was just a nice, way to discover a song and it was it was actually on a brief window where we could actually move around um, went on a surf trip down south with uh with the middle bodger and one of his mates um and so we had a session so we drove down the coast and when we we're in the car um uh, old middle bodger says do you mind if i put on my playlist and i'm thinking oh yeah well, i haven't listened to to your music before or lately and and tell you what, it was a cracking playlist and there was a few bands i hadn't heard of a lot of aussie bands and there's this one band called floodlights um this aussie band i, I might have sent you a clip a while ago but there's this one song called nullabore where it's this guy just just buys himself a four-wheel drive and drives across the nullabore to kind yeah. of find himself yeah yeah it's a it's a it's a it's a, a good story nice to hear your kids getting into good music i think it's 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 heartwarming um well it's also to, heartwarming to, to know that that you know it's not crap pack my boot up and dry everything that's necessary for my life my jack tools and tire repair kit Makes me look the part, but in Bridgestone I'll sit Driving through the quiet rural town The novelty-sized boots stand with nobody around Cattle station hums into the night A lot of my well, a couple. One of my um, uh, bands or artists has definitely been. I was influenced by my old man, so uh, by my oh, good. by my oldies, I should say. So um, yeah, I think yeah. it's good. It's good if it goes both ways. I reckon if you can. Um, yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. My old man's got very good music taste, and I don't know if I can't remember if I've said this before, oh, but it does. Yeah, I, yeah. I reckon. But did I say that I after. Uh, Tattoo You, he basically stopped buying <laughs> records. So, with a few exceptions like Adele and um, 
It was at Nora Jones. <laughs> Those albums that ever. Oh, Mr. Nermelston. What are you doing? I know. No, oh, but, gee. But having said that, he, he, he'll always buy, he'll always buy whatever Neil Young puts out or Bob Dylan puts out or, you know, um, so he's, yeah. he's still, yeah. and the Stones, of course, uh, Eric Clapton, all of that kind of stuff. Anything that, anyone who's still alive and kicking, he'll, he'll uh, get their newer stuff. He'll, um, but yeah, he'll. yeah, that's yeah, funny. It's gone, it's all over. One, I've got one right. tiny little look back. Um, it's <clears throat> so I reposted or I, I copied and pasted a photo that I think Joel Tudor had put on his um, Instagram and it was of Rabbit looking very cool in the uh, it must be early 80s with a hot stuff channel, oh, yeah. bo- channel bottom single fin, right? Yeah, <clears throat> and I I took a screenshot of it and then posted that and to uh, highlight one of our episodes upcoming or past or whatever. And um, rabbit liked it. So um, that, that was was a like from rabbit. Yeah. Look back to the, to the king of the lookbacks. So, and you know, as, as as previously mentioned, I've, uh, I'm not, um, I'm not shy in, giving my admiration for, for the, bu- the bunny man. Um, yeah. The bunny, yeah. Style master through and through. And the, you know, mm. the, the uh, hands up kind of in front of your face, blue steel, look back, Poof, nothing, nothing yep. close really. Joel Tudor, how did he not make a uh, dickhead's episode? Yeah, like, true, really? Jeez, you're right. Yeah. Well, that, that'll have, that'll have to be in dickheads too. But he, he's a maybe you could just a dickhead that that um, serves a pretty good function because he's the kind of dickhead in a you know in inverted commas that uh, stirs things up and gets gets people yeah. gets people hot under the collar. And I think that's that's needed, you know. Yeah, I never thought of that. Yeah, maybe he's just like a what is it? Agent provocateur. He just he just. Exactly. starts little fires everywhere that, that he thinks is calls bullshit on. Um, exactly. I just thought he was a dickhead, but yeah, maybe he's, he's got a higher purpose. People were posting before the American election saying, you know, make sure you get out and vote, you know, your vote's important. And he just writes, man, until they free the weed, I'm not voting for anyone. <laughs> Did you see that? I, also, uh, I, also, was, I read something about him that, um, he had created a fucking hedge or something in his garden that's made out of cannabis, right? And uh, and all these people were writing in saying, man, you know, if you have this fucking... Because the hedge was... Invariably, if you're going to have loads of pot plants, you're going to have some male pot plants. This is... I'm sure a lot of... Most of our listeners will know this anyway, but I'll... Uh, a, little bit of, uh, a little bit of cannabis 101... And so if you have a whole load of male plants in your garden, then anyone within like quite a, quite a decent um, radius, those male plants can fuck up any female plants around. So, um, Oh, I did not know that. Wow. Yeah. Yes. And uh, I think he was quite, 
blase in his, uh, you know, telling people uh, whatever, it doesn't, you know, fucking get fucked basically. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> I think that's probably true to form for, uh, for Mr. Tudor. Right. Yeah. But again, he, he serves a purpose. Just when you're in tune, you're on your own, and you gotta write it fast, and you gotta write low. And when you see the tunnels in at the turn of the bend, you gotta go the good, cause flows in it, and while you bend, you just gotta be that way. Now, We've talked about uh, a couple of little things, and we've we've given a given a, a, a minor intro, I guess. But today we're going to be talking, we're going to be pulling into the shack of uh, album art and albums, and specific surfboards. So good. Mm. What do we get? What do we call that? Yeah, I don't know. Um, I, I, I kind of, I was looking at a, at a board or a, I was looking at a board and it's one of the boards that I've chosen actually, which is the, the T and C uh, twin fin that Potts had in like the early to mid eighties. Um, he had a, ser- yeah. a series of them, the, the uh, green and gold ones really with the kind of, um, I don't know, mm. zigzaggy uh, so good, yeah. artwork on it. Um, and uh, it just reminded me of the police album, Zenyada Mondada. And then I thought, oh, well, you know, there's, there's got to be some yeah. sort of, there's got to be a symbiosis between album covers and surfboards um, and then all that lies within. So I've got, I've actually got three, three pairs. Um, and mine are the Greeno Spoon and Jimi Hendrix album, Axis Boulders Love. Then I've got nice. the, the aforementioned Town and Country, Glenn Pang, Twin Fin, written by Potts and the police's Zenyera Mondada that I've talked about. And yeah. my more recent or more current contemporary pairing is the Hypto Crypto and um, the Hayden Shapes Hypto Crypto and uh, Cut Copies um, album from 2004, Bright Like Neon Love. Hopefully we might even get a guest on to talk about this one. We've got uh, the Rico Bonza. That's a Terry Richardson shaped Bonza Oof. that floated into our world back in the uh, in the mid nineties, and a uh, a seventies album to match the seventies Bonza aesthetic. Rodriguez Cold Fact, uh, another thing that floated into our lives, sort of by you know, via via Johannesburg, some sort of divine divine sort of provenance. <laughs> so that was uh, I reckon that, that they will go well together. Yeah. Um, we've got the 
Tony Dempsey tube line thruster with the tube double flyer. Um, yeah, remember the tube lines? They, were they shaped? Were they, were, they shaped by, were they shaped by Edward Shackleton by any means? By any <laughs> yes, shaped from walrus uh, tusks, <laughs> I think. Glass, um, glass with uh, with congealed whale blubber. Yeah, uh, he's he's a he's a burly head shape, I think. Mm -hmm. Not, don't know much about him to be honest. Uh, but he, I, remember, I remember for, seeing, for me seeing I remember seeing ads for them in like Surfing World or Waves or whatever. Yeah, not yeah. I just vividly remember that those sharp. Um, flies and, and so for me that that was just a, a slice of my childhood I remember those boards and the music of the specials um, that, that kind of nice. scar revival in, in England at the same time I, I think they matched quite nicely uh, and for me also what else have I got here oh yeah the Mick Mackey side cut uh, fish and the Garth Dicko surfing that on, uh, I think it was Guy's Love and the music and album of Neil Young on the beach. Oh, the lost. They, the they lost just go album. together. The lost album. Yes. On the beach. Lost. Yeah. Awesome. Hendrix. So they're my three. Well, so the, the Hendrix album, um, uh, Axis Boulder, Boulder's Love is just all time um, psychedelic uh, journey. Yeah. Everything from the, the, obviously the cover art is just a crazy, beautiful uh, Indian, yeah. Indian God inspired um, album cover. And uh, my old man or my parents had or have this album. And it was a, um, I don't wow. think, it, I don't think it was a double album, but it was certainly, a, you know, uh, maybe it is, it's got no, I don't think it was a double album, but it certainly had an, you know, you could open it out. Um, so yep. it, the, the, the whole psychedelic experience just kind of was amplified when you opened it, opened it up. Um, yeah. And uh, he is, I think during, in this album, he's at his kind of psychedelic zenith, really. Um, uh, you know, a whole range of epic, epic songs. Uh, I was listening to it today, uh, doing a bit of work out in the out in the garden, and um, so here's here's just a, a perfect example of a lyric. Um, this is from one of, one of the songs, Spanish Castle Magic. Um, it's very far away. It takes about half a day to get there if we travel by my dragonfly. <laughs> no, no, it's not in Spain, but all the same, you know, it's a groovy name, and the wind's just right. Hey. It's very far away. It takes about half a day to get there. If we travel by my dragonfly. No, it's not in Spain. But all the same, you know it's a I mean, I would, I would definitely like to travel on uh, Jimmy's Dragonfly. I'm sure it's a, it's a trip. It's a real trip. Oh, what a journey! 
Hendrix and Greeno in 1967, you know, they were, they must have been obviously in two different spheres altogether, but I, I would imagine that their vibrations were, were resonating at a similar sort of, uh, similar sort of octave uh, for sure. Cause they, they were creating magic at that time and uh, they had been for, for a number of years and they would continue to, well, and Greeno arguably still is, but, um, that's, that's interesting. Yeah. I mean, I, and in this, in this way, it was less the aesthetic of the album cover than the aesthetic of the vibe held within the aesthetic of the album cover, I guess. Um, you know, the, Obviously, uh, as I said, the the Hendrix album is fully psychedelic and transcendental. But of course, you know, Greeno on his spoon kneeboard in those, uh, whatever it is, what is it, the outermost limits of pure fun? I don't know. Um, yeah. There's one section where he's just in this endless barrel, just, you know, mind warping kind of battle. And that was one of the first, I believe one of the first uh, real um, uh, visions, mate, the vis that was, that was showing the masses, the, how it, how it feels to get kegged off your noggin. George Greeno comes from Santa Barbara, California and makes the trip to Queensland every year at winter looking for power waves wafer thin at the back to bend and buckle with the wave for solid suspension. This board is one of the three he bought from USA, stuffed into his sleeping bag. Talking in terms of G-forces and degrees of banking, George tells of times when he's almost been upside down looking through the clear bottom of the belly board. Here at Moffat's Beach, George takes the camera out for a swim and a little bit of belly board riding, Greeno style. Let's kind of move it now with Georgie. And he, he just turned a right-handed guitar upside down. So he was always playing his guitar and strung it upside down, obviously, and just played it that way. So the, um, yeah. you're a yeah. guitar player, but so the, uh, the, the, the string tightening tuny bits were facing down instead of up. Right. I think that's. Yeah. I love you. So that just the unconventional, um, approach to equipment, um, from both of them, the, uh, Upside down guitar, the the kneeboard, the crazy, as you say, sort of tinkering with with things, and uh, and the influence they've both had, obviously too. Well, that's it. I mean, you know, that's absolutely, absolutely. The the influence is just, I mean, it's it's marked. You know, 
Hendrix on all guitar players for the rest of eternity. And um, you could argue that Greeno on all surfers for the rest of eternity, whether, it, whether it's from the, the uh, bottom contours and rails that he designed or the fins that he designed or the fact that he um, was able to get so slotted and show the world that it's, it's uh it's pretty yeah. fucking, uh pretty it's futuristic so i wrote a few so i said that they're both experimental they're transcendental they're psychedelic they're culture defining there's definitely acid in the fucking kool-aid um, in both of their houses um they're upside down in every way um oh i like that yeah and there's a there's a song by um, Hendrix on this album called Castles Made of Sand. Now, um, not only does it have I don't know, uh, just see if there's a, there's a the beginning of it. Hang on, let's see if I can play it. And she slams the door in his drunken face And now he stands outside And all the neighbors start to gossip and drool there's, there's also a section in the song Where he gets his guitar It's just like it, it's, it's As the Beatles said it's, it's like it's gently weeping And he's got this sound that goes You have to put that in because my uh, my ass impression is not very good, but it's. I mean, it makes you give sends chills up your up your spine. And so castles made of sand melts into the sea eventually. he's got in the in the song he's got these whole um how's this there was a young girl whose heart was a frown because she was crippled for life and she couldn't speak a sound and she wished and prayed that she could stop living so she decided to die there was a young girl whose heart was a frown because she was crippled for life and she couldn't speak a sound and she wished and prayed she could stop living so she decided to die she drew a wheelchair to the edge of the shore and to her leg she smiled. You won't hear me. Uh, and then, man, and then there's, there's a whole, the, the, the song about uh, stands are about this Indian brave. He would be a fierce warrior, Indian chief, but a surprise attack killed him in his sleep that night. It's all pretty, uh, it's pretty bleak, actually. Yeah. The last, the last little, last little snippet about uh, that particular song is the song's called Castles Made of Sand. And, um, or if you remember from a previous episode, I talked about um, taking uh, my Cafe Olay in Morocco with Nick Cave and um, uh, yeah. and Jean-Paul Gaultier. Um, well, on that on that same trip, we in that particular place, Essaouira, there's a long beach which has waves. Um, we surfed it a few times and. Um, we did a couple of day trips where we walked up the uh, 
up the beach to a castle that is literally uh, melting into the sea. And that is where uh, Hendrix got his inspiration for that particular song. So the, wow! Yeah, there's very little left of it, but um, the, the the ocean has literally kind of uh, uh, has eaten it up, and there's this what well, you can tell it's a, wow. a, a, a castle turret, but it's uh, it's uh, yeah, it's slipping into the sea as uh, as Hendrix says in the, in the song. So yeah, pretty cool. Wow! In because mm. he did spend quite a bit of time in London in his early career. Um, in England, and um, they what they've done is where he, he lived in this apartment for a while in, in London, and what they've done, they've turned it into a museum, but they've just set it up as from photos, so it's not the original kind of furniture and whatnot, but it's pretty much recreated. So you can just walk around in the flat as if um, set up as it was when he lived there. Uh, and the coolest thing is it's kind of a bit hands-on, like. There's a there's a little record player sitting on the floor, just sitting on a couple of bricks, and there's his records that he had as a collection back in there, just sitting there. So you can actually flip through Jimi Hendrix's record collection. Uh, we haven't spoken that much about Greeno, but I guess we've spoken about him so much in previous episodes anyway. Um, the, but the Spoon and Hendrix, they they just send out the vibrations to the universe. The other thing, I was, I was doing this work out in the garden today and listening to it fairly loud on my, uh, on the speaker out there. And uh, it, it does really take you to another place, which not all music does. You just kind of, uh, Hendrix kind of, he really, he gets a few receptors going in the, in the brain that, that send you, send you out into space, I reckon. That's great. Uh-huh. And, and of course, um, and of course, Greeno, Greeno was in a, the inner space, the inner space of the fucking tube. Oh yeah, yeah, that's so good. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Well, I mean, Greeno, Greeno knew from day dot that getting shacked was like time travel, right? I mean, it's just it, there's nothing. Yeah. It's the only. It's got to be scientifically proven that it's the only place in the universe where time actually slows down <laughs> einstein should have been looking into that <laughs> einstein got um, shacked more often that's for sure <laughs> but, you know the problem the problem coming from austria is there ain't no fucking shacks around that's the problem so my one was basically two two kind of um things i think i might have mentioned in the intro it, basically these two things just just appeared magically uh, in the house I was living in with uh, Roscoe P. Coltrane. And I think at the time it was a uh, hippie, hippie Damien. And um, so basically we were living at, at this, this rundown old surf shack uh, above the Baddick hedge. Yeah, and exactly. oh, that's right. It, no, it was, it was this girl. It was this girl who was, who was renting sort of subletting uh, the, the area down below. Yeah. The, ant infested mold infested um room down below which we probably charged way too much for well which was um which was subsequently something like inhabited by uh the shaper to to at least half of the this podcast <laughs> i tell you what the people you can write a 
ah, you could write a book on the people who lived downstairs in that, uh, <laughs> in the dungeon. There was um, the lead singer or one of the lead singers of the Val Dusty experiment. Um, there was Tony's Maximus, Hayden Lewis, surfdesigns.com. There was, who else? Who's the, um, who's the, the Val Dusty? Obviously not. Oh, uh, you know, uh, Noah Taylor, he sings Mo Walker. Yeah, Mo yeah. Walker. Yeah. Um, yeah, now I'm going to do a quick Mo Walker. Has anyone got a pick? Mo Walker, 1974. Mo Walker, rapping at my door. Mo Walker, always in pig shots. Mo Walker, he don't run, he walks. A hotbed of oh Ben's art, Beno's art world, Instagram artist. How does a richo Bonza um, float into, well, the, into the scene? That's the interesting thing. Well, it actually was a, this girl who lived there for a while. Um, she had a quite an exotic name, Zuela, I think it was. Anyway, she didn't really surf, um, but she had her board that of choice to learn on which is fraught with danger with just because of all the sharp edges um <laughs> was the was a was a rico a terry richardson bonza and i don't think i'd really knew much about bonzas back in the time but this thing was just beautiful uh and so roscoe p coltrane just just decided to um i don't think he even bought it off he just said oh could i use it while while you're in the house well, and the subsequently classic can i borrow it and never give it back yeah and unfortunately uh <laughs> he still got it it's pretty been up he, he said he, he left it out in a hailstorm outside at, at uh at the hedge there so it got pretty beaten up but yeah i just remember this thing it's just the if you had never seen a bonza before the first time you see one you just think what is going on like there's these side because it was the proper thruster version so these two sharp side fins set at an angle uh, and the single fin in it is just it's this rakey quite big and sharp again and the, then these channel like the double concave is actually accentuated by the artwork um coming through the sort of almost these rainbows coming through the the, the, the double concaves and then out the back we all had a crack at this board i don't know if you ever had a go of it but um yeah, I remember surfing it out the reef actually, and just just remembering how, on my backhand on a quite a sucky reef break, how just the hold it had, you know, in the um, I don't know if there's that extra side fin hanging in there, but it felt amazing, really, wow. really cool cosmic um kind of board that entered our world, and and Roscoe Picoltrain still has it. He's planning on um getting it re, um, refurbished and and restored to its original glory so that'd be great if you did that um there's a great clip um of of rico surfing a bonza at, at um um down south and that that's fantastic torpedo tubes 
Yeah, um, at some point. Yeah, yeah. But um, no, and so just so, a, random, a random aside. Yeah. Have we talked about this already? We probably have. Summer Cloud, Blackrock, Aussie Pipe. Are there any other names? There's. It's, it's Rec. Rec Bay, Rec Bay yeah. How's that? Four different names for the same spot. Yeah. It's just like a, a boogie paradise now or a boogie. Um, last time I was there, I got run over by about five boogie boards on one wave, pretty much. They all just came flying over my head. At the same time or a similar time um, in the in the house, in the surf shack, we, Roscoe Pico, Shane and I went um, bargain hunting at for garage sales. I think we were looking for maybe a, a, a a couch or something, you know. So we're we're scouring the the garage sales or the yard sales, as they call them in America, um, for stuff. And and coincidentally, it was actually on the street I live now. We were um, we were at an old um, surf legend's house, perusing his um, his his wares, and that was Mick, Mickey Mabbit. And so we're flicking through his um, his record collection that he's selling, and and Roscoe Pete Goldtrain just pulls out this album and it, he goes, "Oh mate, this is this is gold." And I'm going, "What's that?" And it, so it's Ro Rodriguez. Um, the album's Cold Fact, and I don't know if you've seen the album cover. It's this trippy kind of. Yeah. Um, it's got him. It's got Rodriguez on the cover. You can't really tell sort of what nationality he is. It's kind of a bit weird and. He almost looks um, like South American or something. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so it was like, yeah, wow, okay, two bucks, we'll we'll get that. And um, and I I could and I distinctly remember coming home and listening to it uh, on the on the old uh, record player, and yeah, it was just one of those things where I was just expecting it to be shit because you know never heard of it, never yeah. you know yeah. just just a trippy kind of album cover. But the first song when it came on, it's it was like, I'll put it on. Um, it's just got this crazy vibe. Sugar man, won't you hurry? Cause I'm tired of these scenes. For a blue coin, won't you bring back? All those colors to my dreams Silver magic ships you carry Jumpers, Coke, Sweet Mary Jane Sugar Man Yeah, it's like, wow, this is actually good. Like, it's almost like, uh, it was almost just this disbelief that this thing, you know, where did it come from? What, what? who is this guy and um so we listened to that heaps and i just remember even out in the surf with that song in my head um yeah it was just a really a really funny experience and and it turns out um there's a whole story behind it now i think i was talking to you about it there's a movie called um finding sugar man and and so basically rodriguez put this album out i think i think he's from detroit and it, it i thought it basically flopped so so it went nowhere in the States and he just kind of went, oh, well, first, first album, maybe I'll go back to becoming a whatever, you know, um, whatever he was doing before music. And, but 
strangely, for, for bizarre reasons, it became huge in South Africa. And, um, and so, you know, pre-internet days, pre, or, or, you know, South Africa basically being disconnected from the, from the rest of um, the the Western world. I, I don't think they even had television for a while in South Africa, just to, just to keep them, you know, the government basically liked, wanted to be isolated from the rest of the world. Um, So, so, but it became huge, uh, strangely in the military. And I think obviously the surf culture would have lapped it up because it would have been this counterculture um, artifact, you know, that they, they loved, you know, they, they basically placed Rodriguez on the, on the same par as, as Dylan and, and his sort of those, that level. And they believed that he would have been just as huge back back in the states. Um, uh, so it was just crazy kind of um, double world that Rodriguez was living. Back home, he was pretty much struggling to uh, make ends meet, yeah. whereas in in South Africa, he was a basically a household name. If I had to name ten artists that I've ever been involved with. Rugby used to be in the top five. He's my most memorable artist. Bob Dylan was mild to this guy. He was this wandering spirit around the city. When he opened up and sang, he went, whoa, this guy's got it. We expected big things, and they did absolutely nothing. How many records do you think he sold in America? In America, six. Nobody had even heard of him. How can that be? How can that be? It's a bit of a mystery how the first copy of Cold Fact came to South Africa, but to us, it was one of the most famous records of all time. He was the soundtrack to our lives. Bigger than Elvis. Much bigger than Rolling Stones. Any revolution needs an answer. The message it had was be anti-establishment. The first opposition to apartheid, they were influenced by Rodriguez. Nobody knew anything about him. He was a mystery. Um, one, how good is it to just find music, particularly physically oh, yeah. find it, and then it turns, mm. out, it turns out to be awesome. That's just epic. And the second one's a philosophical question directed at um, Mick Mabbott. Um, <laughs> who the fuck sells their record collection? Oh, for sure. So, yeah, but but as a as a bizarre aside from that same garage sale we bought this thing and i still haven't figured out what it is it's it's basically an implement that we we still uh, scratching our heads basically it it looked like a little catapult but the size of a i don't know the size of a a mouse trap i would say it's got this spring mechanism and from what we could gather from the from the cover i think it was written in german it was a thing to launch tobacco up your nose <laughs> like a, a snooze launcher so basically what we gathered you'd, you'd put a bit of tobacco or snooze or something like that on the on the end of this sort of lever you'd crank it up get the spring loaded and then you'd you'd press the little button you and it would click the the t- wouldn't you uh, yeah, yeah. I wonder if Roscoe Pick Goldtrain still got that. That was that was. Bizarre. I don't think we ever got get, the guts to, to get. Uh, you need to get Roscoe Pick Goldtrain to go on uh, 
uh, Antiques Roadshow. The synchronicity of those two, uh, two relics of the surf and music uh, age uh, is uh, really interesting. So um, speaking of which, I'm going to go on to uh, the Glen Pang Town and Country Twin Fins um, and the police's 1982, I believe, uh, album Zenyetta Mondata. And primarily, primarily I picked these two because of their, as I mentioned before, just the, the visual aspect of it. Um, my, my, my wife who has studied, uh, art and design, she tells me that, um, in the eighties, there was a movement called the Memphis movement and, uh, and Memphis, I subsequently learned Memphis is a place in Egypt, ancient Egypt, um, as, as well as being the birthplace of Elvis Presley. Um, Memphis. Famous Egyptian. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, Memphis was a place in Egypt. And so in the 80s, there was this fascination for um, that kind of Egyptian design. And oh, right. you'll, you'll see that lots of things design wise um, and Zenyatta Mondata being a perfect example are um, influenced by this Memphis style. And I've, I would argue that uh, town and country's um, whole design, not the town and country symbol itself, obviously, but the whole design around that period, which was pretty uh, out there, um, was, was very similar. Um, it was, so I've got a few uh, words That's for, cool. the, the, for this. So I think basically both of those things quite brash. I think the... Um, Sure. Potts obviously was brash and him on his TNC were, was brash. Um, uh, the police certainly were, Sting particularly. Um, they were, it's high vis, it's real high visual kind of in your face. Pretty sexy, I would say. I'd, I'd say, you know, the police were a sexy bunch of uh, super, there were a, a, you know, super famous and uh, Sting was a, a heartthrob, but in a, in a kind of, uh, I don't know, he, he wasn't too polished. He was just pretty raw in some ways. Fluoro, of course, um, in, in many ways, I think they were both world ruling for their time. You know, that I remember as a kid being completely in awe of uh, town and country surfboards and always wanting one and oh, yeah. never having one. Um, and obviously the police for a good two or three years were kind of known as the biggest band in the world, right? For sure. Um, sure. um, Were they both overrated? Uh, Were they possibly better earlier or later? And I would argue, yes. Um, I would argue that, you know, um, uh, out, what is it? Outlanders the more, or Ghost of oh, yeah. the Queen, or uh, even Synchronicity are a bit far superior albums to uh, Zenyatta Mondata. And I would definitely argue that um, if we're talking not necessarily about town and country, but about Pots, you know, obviously when he got onto the Blue Hawaii's and late 80s, when he just went on a fucking tear. Um, yeah. yeah. 
Um, and, and, and then I also, then I got to a point in my uh, little mind map of saying Potts and Sting were both wankers. In 1981, Martin Potter, 15 years old, was completely unknown outside his native beaches of Durban, South Africa. That changed in a blaze of spray when over a single season, Potter won the NSSA International Team Challenge, beating, by the way, future world champ Tom Kern in the final. He took down Bay of Plenty legend Sean Thompson in the final of a local pro event, then went on to blitz his way to consecutive second place finishes in the Gunston and Mainstay World Tour events. Riding his 5.6 The Saint model, Potter maneuvered at speeds that made his fellow competitors, many of them still riding single fins, appear to be dragging anchors. This board perfectly captures the essence of that historic summer when Potter was the hottest Grom on earth. That, I would say that though, that Potts 20 is highly, obviously highly influenced by those, by Buttons and that kind of crew. Um, and, you know, Sting and the, you know, the police had quite a, severe um reggae influence you know so they they really did uh they did wear that on their sleeve quite um quite visibly so yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay well uh is it my turn yep. my turn for another yep. combo well why don't we go for the the mick mackey side cut fish Written, that the, uh, written like like, the massive, the massive uh, uh, swallow, right? Massive swallow, and and so when I say side cut, pretty much from the from the tip of the swallow tail to I don't know, almost the back third of the board is is side cut. So as as opposed to being Con convex, the, the board is actually concave in, in plan shape. Ah, right. And yep. yeah, and so I think Mick Mackey is definitely was influenced by the, the winter stick snowboard. Um, so if you've seen a, those early versions of snowboards, those winter sticks, yep. which had deep, deep swallows and, and obviously side cut in snowboards, uh, um, well, is a thing um so yeah but really fascinating to look at boards i, I can't say i've really surfed too many uh, that style fish with the side cut i, I personally think they personally think they looked like they'd be hard to surf but um obviously mick Mackey knows more about boards than than i do but and garth dicko riding it at the local reef in glass love i think it is um to accompanied by Neil Young's On the Beach. Everything you want a Neil Young album to be. 
the and then kind of and then more and really on the low key as well it's got some uh got some real kind of uh, songs that just just kind of mosey on along but uh just done in oh, yeah. a pure neil young style it's it's just a it's a beautiful work of art oh yeah so yeah so so i, I really enjoyed discovering this album you know, fairly recently nice. um and as you say there's some like the last song actually is probably my favorite um ambulance blues yeah and um it's just got, i mean even one of the lines in the song says um it's hard to find the meaning of this song and yeah because it's there's some wacky lyrics but really it's one of those songs you can listen to repeatedly and try and um figure out but it's, it's actually just a great song in itself but um some great lines is um i think one of the lines says there ain't nothing like a friend who can tell you you're just pissing in the wind and there ain't nothing like a friend who can tell you you're just pissing in the wind live in a trailer at the edge of the of town you never see us because we don't come around we got 25 rifles just to keep the population down <laughs> Some dude standing on the beach, um, looking out to sea with a with this nice little umbrella and chair set up with some drinks, and then just a a Cadillac or something just buried under the sand, like it's just you know impacted from from a few thousand feet up or something. I just love it. Well, have you have you read the book by Neville Shoup on the beach? No, I haven't. So on the beach by Neville Shoup um s-h-u-t-e is an australian classic yeah um and it's a wow yeah written in the 50s it's um um yeah in the 50s uh it's a it's post-apocalyptic about a group of people oh. who in melbourne they're um describes their experience as they uh they're waiting for deadly radiation that's spreading down from the Northern hemisphere following um, after a nuclear war. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. Um, yeah. And talking about how each person kind of experiences uh, 
impending death. <laughs> it's pretty intense. It's a, oh, I, wow. I, yeah. Recommend it to all our listeners. Uh, get out there by, by Neville shoots on the beach. I assume that, um, that Neil Young's yeah. re- referencing that in, in some ways. But, uh, yeah. Oh yeah. Wow. I mean, it's nothing like the end of a, end of quite a, quite a tricky year to read some, some, you know, post-apocalyptic literature. Yeah. I find. How about the surfing note? Do you remember the, so there's Garth Dicko on the fish at the reef and it's not barrelly reef. It's small runner runners. Yeah. Yeah. Um, or must be always almost through to second reef. But he just does these beautiful, I don't know what you call them, just pumping. Um, it's, that, it's that kind of bottom turn, top turn combos. Yeah. Yeah. Where you kind of and, like an accordion, you're kind of uh, compressing and uh, extending to, to get speed. Right. Yeah. And I, what I love is, is the, at the extension, that kind of almost weightless floating, uh, across the top of the wave um, that, that Zico definitely does well on, on, on that one. I think he does get a barrel at the, at the end of the, the sequence, which is um, nice to see too, which I, I mean, to get barreled on a fish is just next level as far <laughs> as I'm concerned. Um, but yeah. Yeah. So I, I think that's a, that's a pretty killer combo. Yeah, um, no, mate, stoked on that combo. <laughs> mm. Now I'm, I'm, I'm going to go into my last combo, which I, I kind of, I almost picked it kind of tongue in cheek to start with. Um, not because of the music, but because of the surfboard. But then I thought the more and more that I thought about it and listened to the, um, to the music and thought about the board, I thought it kind of worked pretty well. So the Hypto Crypto by uh, Hayden Shapes and Cut Copies uh, Bright Like Neon Love. Um, nice. Yeah, so um, anyone who's seen a Hypto Crypto will know what it looks like and uh, the whole ethos behind everything that Hayden Shapes does. And I think cut copy to an extent, maybe I'm stretching it a little bit, but you know, I think both the, the, the ultimate or the, the initial word that came to mind for both is just clean, clean lines. Yeah, right. Clean clean music, clean image. And I don't mean, I think Hayden clean as in clean living and whatever, but cut copy just kind of aesthetically clean, you know, very, uh, yeah. very surgical almost in their approach. Um, um, my, I've got a, I've got a few words, uh, stylized, uh, hipster, uh, international, <laughs> no, that's later prosperous repetition millennial um I, I believe that both of these both cut copy and the, and the hypto crypto were born out of just ultimate prosperity that um uh, that they experienced in their upbringing in 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 australia um it's, they're both cle- they're both clever. I mean, obviously, cut copy are clever. Their music is really interesting, quite um, unique in some ways. Um, there was a cut copy. This is from NME. Um, NME New Musical Express compared the album uh, Bright Like Neon Neon Love to Technique Era New Order 
fed through my bloody Valentine's distortion pedals and described it as the album Daft Punk should have made. Uh, which is quite interesting. Another uh, reviewer described the album as the record the Human League could have made if they had remade Fleetwood Mac's Rumours in 1985. Um, it's also, they're both in my, well, they're both millennial um, artists, uh, which obviously I, I have a sister who's kind of almost sneaks into being a millennial. She's kind of on the, on the border between millennials and not. But that's something that's kind of a little bit uh, foreign to me, I guess. Um, yeah. Then, but then as I, got, I, as I got thinking a bit more um, negatively, particularly about Hayden Shapes, I don't, I don't know why I always have him in, in a bad light, but um, I then thought that the Hypto Crypto particularly has a certain uh, level of, there's international vowels that just fucking love their hypto cryptos. Um, so then I thought about this, the, the paradigm between the expert and the beginner, you know? Um, oh. Yeah. Um, and I don't mean, I, I think this is primarily on the surfboard side. I don't think cut copy uh, um, go into this, but um, there's certainly a, a paradigm between, you know, the hypto crypto under, Craig Anderson's feet is like the best thing since sliced bread, but then under some random fucking German uh, wave uh, slave, um, wannabe wave slave, it's can be a dangerous piece of equipment in my mind. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's funny. The thing about the Hypto is it becomes your favourite board and you never want to get off this board. A lot of people don't know but I designed this board back in 2007 for myself. I was riding some wider swallowtail twin fins, a bunch of single fins. I really wanted to have that feeling of a board where it has that smooth flow and a lot of speed but have a little bit more performance in the tighter areas of the wave. It starts with a rolled V in the entry which allows the wider nose and that fuller plan shape to, to not catch. It allows you to take off late and still have this board really move down the line. So the rolled V in the entry flows into... See, I actually, no, I haven't listened to cut copy that much and I'm not, I wouldn't say, yeah, so I, I'd like to listen to that album. It should, it should be fun. But they also have earned quite a bit of derision for some reason too. I think it might be similar to the Hypto in that they... They might have been deemed to have gotten popular undeservedly. Yeah, no, I think you're I don't right. know. If you, I don't know if you get that vibe. Yeah, um, no, absolutely, absolutely. I, I don't know if that's from Australia. Being a, they are Australian, aren't they? They're, yeah, they um, are. They are. And I don't know if that's an Australian thing. It's a, that tall poppy thing where, where these guys are kind of upstarts who don't deserve what they've got, or there's some valid criticism there. I, to be honest, I don't know, but I, I find it interesting that there is that. I know it's out there, 
there's a there's and I, I definitely know with the the Hayden shapes there's that derision of of almost there must be bits of jealousy in there amongst other board makers that he is so successful and the huge overseas success which is obviously very hard to um, well, crack. I mean, cut, um, copy, cut copy you know in a world pre-rona virus um cut copy you could guarantee they would be playing festivals here every summer really really so yeah, big they're, in they're big big yeah, okay. they're really they're really quite big here particularly among the millennial gang you know um mm. and my last, my last comment on both of those is that they for me as someone who spent a lot of time out of australia they kind of they signified to me a kind of new australian aesthetic um and again yes. based on you know when i was growing up i think we had a lot more particularly where we grew where we grew up a much more mainline to the working class and to the kind of core values of what australia may have been in the past but i think that a lot of people are growing up with just um, a lot more wealth around them, a lot more opportunity, a lot more money. Um, and I yeah. think both Hayden Shapes and Cut Copy do um, kind of, they, they represent that in some, in some way, shape or form. That's interesting. Yeah. I think, yeah, it's that maybe that millennial optimism and, total disregard for history <laughs> yeah. you know, exactly. strap them down strap them down give them a a bonza and some cold chisel fucking and a vb fucking oath fucking oath and, <laughs> and tell them to work for a living work with their hands not on these bloody computers yeah not, making not, web, not just, websites not just setting up some bloody uh yeah some startup yeah, okay. So this one is another kind of basically just a bit of nostalgia, I suppose. There's two. Um, the, basically, I had an older brother, the, my eldest brother, who there's quite a, a big a bit of gaps in, in the, the siblings and the, the Bodger siblings when I was growing up. So so he he had this beautiful old Valiant um, oh, back in the, the day. Val. Love the Val. Love so, yeah. the Val. Big, big, wide valiant. He worked as a as a tradie for a while there, and so he was just full of crap. And um, the surfboards could fit in the boot, you know, like the it was a full sedan, but the the boot was just enormous. You know? yeah, yeah. Um, but he had this Tony Dempsey tube line, which I just coveted because I think I still had my burn twin fin. And as I touched on before, I just thought, oh my god, I, I got to get rid of it. I got to get a thruster. I got to get rid of this ancient twin fin, um, you know. And God, I wish I still had that now. But this Tony Dempsey thruster. Oh God, I just remember the sharp kind of uh, uh, the flyers on the side of it. It's, everything was just modern. It's a it double double flyer, right? Double flyer, square tail. I think it was. It, yeah, just and just the cool artwork of the Tony Dempsey design was almost like some sort of Actually, now you mentioned it, almost maybe Egyptian style sort of <laughs> there you go. Wing, wings <clears throat> crescent sort of thing. And then along with that, so riding along in the backseat of my brother's Valiant, whenever he deemed it uh, or whenever I managed to 
get um, your way get in. a ticket on the surf on the surf trip somehow. Yeah. Be like, um, I just distinctly remember the uh, the specials playing playing kind of back to back um, on the tape deck. Big, big monkey man. <laughs> For me, that blank expression is such a fucking good song. Oh, yeah. There's, there's, uh, I mean, I, I, I really enjoyed listening to it the other day because I hadn't listened to the whole album um, for a while. And oh, it's, it's really stands up. I think, again, I think Scar and the Scar Revival went, has its, had its ups and downs, you know, like in popularity. Yeah. Um, yeah. But <laughs> I, I think it stands up really well. Um, and interesting, I think it's similar to, what you're talking about with the police, I mean, the police kind of took reggae and, and put their spin on on reggae and the specials took um, Scar, which I suppose is just a speeded up version of, of reggae, so to speak. Um, but it's interesting how, I mean, it's happened a lot in culture that the Western world has, has appropriated a, a kind of a minority genre and... and yeah. Yeah. brought it to the world so i think I, I definitely think it's great that you you can then if you're curious enough go back and follow the roots of of the music and it generally ends up in some poor part of the world where yeah, these no, sure, these sure. The, you know it could be the the deep south america with the blues it could be reggae in jamaica or or wherever um, but I just love that journey that you can go on to, you know, and I think it's almost a, a requirement to appreciate where it comes from. And, um, and you could probably get, even with, and with surfing, I think you can do the same. You can go back and eventually you'll, you'll get back to indigenous cultures on bits of wood or, 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 um, you know, Hawaiian royalty or, or wherever. Right. So, no, that, that's, that's a really interesting uh, parallel that you've picked out there for sure. Um, I, yeah. I, I a, a tiny bit of uh, digging into the specials just because I love that album so much. And um, did you realise that on the track Night Club, um, Chrissy Hind is the backing vocals? Oh my god, you're your um spirit woman absolutely my uh punk spirit animal before i um before i collapse in a in a pile of uh uh a pile of whatever it is and go to sleep um we gotta quiz it up mate quiz it up
Okay. All right. So number one, what year did Nat say Greeno was the best surfer in the world? Wow. 1967. Ooh, 68. 68. Oh my God. Yeah, Thanks. you were very close. Very close. Ah, good one. Go good one. Question two, what year did Jimi Hendrix die? Oh, God. I'm not very good with my Jimi Hendrix um, facts. I'm going to say 79. What? Mate, I, this, I couldn't believe this myself. 1970. Oh, my God. 1970? Yeah. Yeah, yeah he was... He, he, he burned bright and fast. Wow. Do you know the mm. saddest thing I heard about him dying was this, this guy who knew him at the time said the first time he saw, just before he died, he said he saw Jimi Hendrix without his guitar. He said prior that to that, was, he used yeah. to always carry it with him. You know? And when he yeah. saw him at a party without his guitar, he knew something was wrong. Was really, All over Red Rover. Really Sad. Wow. Okay. That's fat. That's wow. Yeah. Gee, that is sad, isn't it? Um, yeah, it is. Okay. I got a question for you. Um, oh, what's the, what's the prize this week? I reckon the prize has got to be a block of homemade wax that the other person has to make for the, uh, the loser has to make for the winner. I should say Fargs and I old school mate. Um, we almost yeah. burnt down we almost burnt down my mother's, my, my parents' kitchen, uh, making, um, making wax. It totally, no fucking, it totally, uh, the, the wax bubbled and then just burst into flames and almost engulfed the whole <laughs> kitchen. And then I think we must have done something stupid and poured water on it, which obviously made it worse. And then, <laughs> yeah, <sorry. laughs> You know, oh, that's awesome. We, we'd, that's obviously we, we'd obviously watched, we'd obviously watched Mad Wax too many times, and um, but we actually, I think we, I think there was a couple of times we made a couple of decent blocks of wax, actually. That's great, awesome. Yeah. That's so, so good. Um, okay, okay, that's a good, good prize. Okay, this is my question. Okay, there's a you know, Sheena Easton, the oh, pop, I love pop singer Easton. from back in the day. Well, she had a song called, she had a song called Sugar Walls. Which um, it actually was banned for purportedly being about uh, part of a woman's anatomy, um, the walls of sugar. Um, it was written by um, someone called Alexander Nevermind. Do you know who <laughs> that is? Alexander Alex, Nevermind. Which is a pseudonym so it's, for someone it's a, it's a, we know. A nom de plume. Yeah, yeah. Sheena Easton. I'm going to say that it was Prince. Well done. I only only Full because points. I know that I, I know that Sheena Easton had a thing with Prince. So I'm just uh, right, there. You go. Yeah, that's cool. I love Prince, and I love that name. I've never heard that. Alexander. Never mind. That's cool. What year did Potts grace the cover of Surfing Magazine? with a four-foot air on his green and gold TNC twin fin. Surfer magazine, pots, surfing, twin surfing fin, magazine. air. 
Oh, God. 1980. 84. Oh, shit. Okay. Yeah, that was a pretty bad guess. What year did the police form? Um, gee. 74? 77. Ah, uh, 77. I, Golden year. I, I'll, I'll, tell you, I'll tell you something interesting about the, uh, the police now. Uh, sorry. Ah, uh, yeah. So they were formed, obviously, by, the, you know, there was Stuart Copeland, Gordon Sumner and Sting. Um, uh, Stuart Copeland was touring the north of England in his progressive rock band, called Curved Air. <laughs> and so good, good. <laughs> Curved Air, how's that? And Sting so and Sting, um, Gordon Sumner is Sting, sorry. Sting was playing in a band, a jazz rock fusion band called Last Exit. So good. <laughs> <laughs> and the, awesome. the, original, the, the original third member was a Corsican guitarist. What word, or actually what two words, are, are always written on a Bonza surfboard or a Campbell Brothers Bonza surfboard? Oh, wow. It's got to be something kind of transcendental oh, wow. or something, isn't wow it? Would be, wow would be good. Um, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're on the right track. Uh, You're very close uh, to that transcendental. Um, world, something world, or world something, or real world, or no, I'm not sure. Um, no, it's be mindful. Ah, that's cool. That's nice. That's, uh, and and the mindful is misspelled, I think, intentionally, um, with double L. So it's like uh, be mindful. Perfect. It's got like a couple couple of meanings. I, I personally think they should say beware of sharp objects, but <laughs> be mind, maybe that's what be mindful is. <laughs> be mindful. This thing might shred you to pieces if you. Yeah, that's cool. You know, um, what well, my um my Hayden Lewis fish that is almost twenty years old now has a really cool thing on the on it and it says view the whole world oh my god that's awesome yeah wow yeah hey wow. hey uh you know he's he's also being mindful i guess maybe he took that from uh yeah. from the bonza boys so good um, all right two more questions travel absolutely okay. um i'm sure that hades has done it what year was Hayden Shapes started? Wow, that's a good question. Well, since you're saying millennial, I'm going to say 2001. Um, yeah, uh, it, it, you're actually wrong. <laughs> I'm not <laughs> laughing. I'm not laughing because you're wrong. Um, it, this is a weird one. It was in 1996 when he was 13. Oh, wow. That's amazing. Yeah, young achiever. He's a young achiever, mate. He's a young achiever. That makes so much sense. Now um, we're going to have to wrap up, but I've just had a had a bit of a a, a thought. 
Um, uh, now we had homework from the last episode, which was the the uh, the dinner guests having a dinner with five surfers and five musicians that we could bring, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think we could. We, I think we, should, we should turn that into a whole episode. Oh, okay. Um, for sure. Yeah. Okay. Let's, let's do make, it. Let's make that. Let's make that our next episode. What do you reckon? Yeah, I reckon. I reckon it's we that's it. Lock it in. All right. Dinner. Dinner, I'll, I'll dinner with, with ten of ten of your best buddies from the surf and music realm. Do they have to be alive? That's a good question, and that's something that we should uh, we should think very about. very deeply about. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Um, okay. Well. Um, well, that was. Um, that was a great. That was a, that, that was a trip. That was a, a transcendental trip through uh, time and space. And we will see. We'll see each other on the other side with a block of wax. Nice. I'll be. I'm working on it right now. All right, mate. Okay. Ciao. Bye. Ciao. look on the bright side of death just before you take your terminal breath get rid of maggie get rid of maggie thatcher get rid of maggie get rid of maggie thatcher okay stay tuned as promised we've got rescopic gold train coming up if you want to follow us at Tales from the Shack on Insta or Facebook, and uh, yeah, just a reminder, Roscoe Pickle Train sounds even worse than I do on this podcast. Um, I blame his earbuds, but um, who knows? Anyway, enjoy. It's a cracker. Roscoe, Roscoe Pickle Train, welcome, Hello, welcome to the show. First, first ever guest on the potty, so yeah. Um, so yeah, so there's a couple of things we spoke about on the potty that you could enlighten us with, um, regarding the Bonza, the Rico or the Richo Bonza and the, um, and the Rodriguez album. So what are your recollections on, well, first, I suppose the Bonza and then we can talk about Rodriguez. Can you? Yeah, yeah, actually, well, how it uh, came about it. Um, so, um, yeah, I think you recall the name of our flatmate who was um, living in the bottom of the shack. Um, yeah, something like that. Louisuela. Um, and I uh, shared this sick, uh, I don't even know what it was, like six, five, I should probably have done the research before this, uh, Terry Richardson Bonza uh, that she just sort of had hanging around. I don't even remember how we, um, how I saw it or how we came about it, but um, but I was pretty uh, taken with it as soon as I saw it and asked to borrow it. Uh, and then sort of wrote it uh, periodically there until she uh, decided to move out. And then um, there was this uh, like seriously awkward uh, encounter that we had when she was uh, saying farewell. 
And because I just thought she had had it for so long, or, or we had it for so long that uh, yeah, we were getting that board for free. And um, so there was this sort of awkward <laughs> silence when she was literally about had all the stuff packed in the car and was going. I was like, oh, I'll give you fifty bucks. And she's like, yeah, fine. And um, yeah, so I ended up uh, surfing uh, the Monza quite a bit. Like I said, it, it, you know, a stack of weight, and it's got the big, big single fin and the two bolster uh, sort of um, stabilizers, I guess, with a deep double, double concave. Okay. Um, yeah, with a, these sort of pointy um, stabilizers, bolster stabilizers, amazing looking board. Um, that fin, the single fin's huge, isn't it? Like I didn't realize how big it was. Now I did promise you an anecdote before the uh, before the show, um, and uh, so as you know, I've been out of the water for uh, most of the year with a recurring uh, little back dodgy back, and so uh, I finally um, got back in the water uh, Sunday week ago. So yesterday week, uh, I thought, what better way to celebrate than go with the bonzer because we'd have that little chat. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so first wave, probably the first wave in 10 months, I, um, I jumped to my feet and completely cooked out, fell off and the board hit me in the head. Um, and I got oh, 11, 11 staples in the back of my head. You're kidding me. Yeah, yeah. No way. That's, no I, way. I, I just think bonzers are, are out to kill you. They're so pointy and, yeah. Uh, it was it was a hell of a clunk, and so I I, so I I actually kept surfing. I caught a couple more waves, and had the surf been a lot better, I probably would have stayed out a bit longer. But it wasn't bleeding that much. But I went in uh, after about fifteen minutes, and then I felt the gas. I was like, oh, okay, this is uh, just emergency. And um, I walked up the beach, and I saw our mate Camo, um, <laughs> and uh, and I said, Hey, do you mind just taking a quick peek at this? I've had a bit of an accident, and he just went, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> so if anyone knows Cameron, they'll know those are not the sort of words that uh, generally come out of his mouth. So I was like, okay, um, it looks like it is a trip to emergency for me. So, uh, but anyway, so that was um, so that was my last um, uh, surf on the Monza. But um, but yeah, I, I surfed heaps. Like I surfed a lot at Whaley, and and I loved it. Surfed in big bombing wedge. Um, you know, I got some really uh, a couple of good barrels. I said they do like twine a couple of times, but I actually just found it too scary. Like it's it's too scary coming off in the barrel, and yeah. I think it's just too many things that can hurt you. Um, yeah, <laughs> like you say, it is it is um, seems to be designed to uh, to inflict damage, as I, as I found out the other day. But um, yeah, it just went unreal. I mean, I don't. It was really good for just pulling in, um, just you know, with those stabilizers and the deep, deep uh, concave. Um, it was amazing. It just held in so well. So yeah, I used to love surfing. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's interesting you say that because I I think I only surfed a couple of times and I said it before that I caught a wave out the reef on it on my backhand. I could really feel the the hold. I felt like I I could sit higher up on the face than I normally would um, in in the kind of barrelly kind of wave. Um, so, and you were saying you, you got a, a really good forehand on your a right hand oh, barrel on it. Barrel. Yeah, um, that's a uh, infamous northern beaches spot, which is normally a left. And um, yeah, but every now and again, you get these uh, big, um, well, A frames that come in, and the rights are actually quite fun. And so I just sailed into this barrel, 
um, straight towards the rocks and sort of, um, uh, fortunately I didn't come out because I probably would have gone straight to the rocks, but it was amazing and the thing just held in so well. It was only like four or five foot, but that's a decent size on that, uh, on that sort of board. Yeah, yeah. But I do recall leaving the, uh, the, the, um, uh, the bonds are out in a hailstorm out <laughs> the back of that place and now it's got hideous, uh, I mean, the classic onions, you know, from that from yeah. oh, old glass job. Um, but yeah, as I said uh, before, I've been threatening to get it um, restored. So um, yeah, oh, it's, it's, um, it's just, it is just such a beautiful board. And, and um, yeah, I've had some pretty fun, um, pretty fun ways in it over the years. What else was I going to ask you? The one other thing, you, oh yeah, a couple of things. Um, when Oops. you and I first learned to surf, we were both probably about the same level of coopness as we were when we started. Mm. You ended up going to France um, and working in the snow for a couple of years and you got mm. into snowboarding in a big way. Mm. And I just remember when I next saw you surf, because I probably hadn't seen you for a couple of years, you were just ripping. And I, and I always yeah. took it that the, the snowboarding was what launched you into a better surfing. Um, like you just kind of seemed to jump ahead of us all. Can you remember how that happened? Uh, um, well, I think it was more just a function of the waves I've been surfing. Um, you know, because uh, it was the first time I ever surfed. Um, I mean, definitely the snowboarding was helped, you know, just because you were basically able to do everything on a surfboard that you wanted to do, you know, so you could just practice and practice and practice. It was amazing. Um, and so it was incredible for you. It, I think it really smoothed down my surfing a lot. Um, but what really was in that time was I was, you know, I was uh, snowboarding in the winters and then surfing in summers. And so I went to, you know, France and and Spain, um, and then uh, went to Reunion. Spent spent quite a bit of time in Reunion and Mauritius. Uh, went to Reunion a couple of times in the end. Went to South Africa. Spent three months in South Africa and surfed some long points there. So. I think it was more a function of just the sort of ways I've been surfing, do you know what I mean? Um, yeah, right. You know, and getting comfortable with reefs, you know, at, well, a relatively young age, I guess, uh, 20. Um, because you were doing the, the Euro-style hard boot snowboarding, and I, for some reason, I, I always associate that with better carving than soft boots. I, I see most soft boot snowboarders kind of just flapping around whereas you see guys in hard boots which is very rare now um mm. and if you see someone good in a hard boot snowboard it actually looks amazing and the calves they can do oh there's nothing there's nothing more yeah. elegant when i first went up to the mountains i was going to learn to ski and i saw guys carving and i was like no that's that's where it's at um and uh, and that was pretty early on I and mean, that was uh early 90s that was very early on the days of snowboarding um, yeah. And um, yeah, so I only ever rode hard boots. Um, for me, soft boots like fun, but but for me, that was more powder. You know, when you when you get a nice groomed piece, um, then you know just being able to lay turns down on, on on a rail was just like surfing. It was just like doing big cutbacks and big bottom yeah. turns. And so I would just surf. Uh, I, would, I would basically snowboard exactly like surf. You know, yeah. or or the way I wanted to surf is probably a better way to describe it. You know what I mean? That was incredible, yeah, right. and, and, and a lot of people, yeah. like, because I sort of drew different lines on the mountain than other people, um, you know, people sort of took a little bit of notice because I just, I wasn't as 
I was just a guy, you know, surfing on a snowboard. That's what I was doing. That's um, that's cool. So there's probably still French people who who um, surf the or skip snowboard the Collins the Collins style. <laughs> Method Collins was they call it. <laughs> Oh, that's great. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. Uh, that's that's really interesting. The fact that you were taking different lines as a surfer than um than the Euros were sort of thing. That's, sure. that's like, really cool. 100%. And, and then you go off piece and there's these mad like half pipes with a little like hornet, cornish, um, just hanging over the edge. And, and like yeah. and the, the French guys would just go and jump over it um, or turn under it. And I'd just go and just do a massive uh, drop wallet and just launch as much snow as I could. <laughs> um, and I just couldn't believe it. These French guys just didn't want a bar of this, these little overhanging corners. It was incredible. Um, That's great. I, that was like the uh, my first uh, experience of doing proper drop wallets on the snowboard. Um, but yeah, it was interesting. I mean, to, you know, being able to, to, to hold an edge um, when you're on a... Um, you know, on a slope, you know, you're basically being able to lie down on the snow as, as you're turning, it's incredible. Like, you know, for me, it was as good as, as, um, as surfing. That's awesome. Um, okay, uh, now if I can move on. Now, Mr. PH, he, he sent this, he was, he sent us a picture of um, a trip up to uh, up the north coast on a Christian surf camp, and I think you were on it. Um, did, were you on that? Trip up to um, Annie Lennox Point. Uh, I did one um, one uh, Christian um, uh, surf trip up the uh, up the coast to Lennox, absolutely, where uh, the um, the massive hard word was put on me to convert um, through <laughs> no other through word alone. Really, I mean, I didn't actually have to change my ways or. <laughs> perform any, uh, any deeds uh, of any goodwill or anything uh, of the nature. I just basically uh, was, was pressured into converting, which I did and I refused to. Um, and I'm like, dude, I'm just here for the surfing. <laughs> I don't know what this is about. But um, no, that was, I, I went on a few of those um, Christian camps. And um, I, again, I think, actually, I think didn't you and I get, we were um, forced to, um, uh, clean the clean toilets, I'm mistaken. Um, <laughs> the surfing just pumping Larry. <laughs> it's like, no way we're making it back to Brady. Uh, I, I think I think we missed breakfast and Bible study, so we were forced to um, clean the toilets. <laughs> and I, but I, um, I distinctly remember one of the guys um, saying pretty much the effect like, you know, there are guys on drugs and, you know, ruining their lives. And pretty much if you don't become a Christian, that's the path you're going to go down. It's yeah. kind of basically like it was either be a Christian and be, you know, clean living and high on life, or you're going to be a dead at 25. <laughs> mm. drugs, basically. Um, sure. but, uh, yeah, I don't know how that ties back to Bonzers and uh, Rodriguez. But, um, oh, no, I mean, uh, that, no, everything you said about the Bonzer and the Rodriguez, that was great. Um, so I don't, I don't really have much else to ask about. Um, I think we will have to get you back on uh, at some stage to talk about, it could be a whole episode, I reckon, the whole Tahiti um, experience um, or just the whole, the whole experience, but probably focusing on the heavy, heavy localism that we both experienced there. Uh, but yeah, I'd be um, more than happy to. 
yeah, that's, that's quite awesome. a, that's an interesting, um, interesting story, that one. We normally ask, or we normally talk about what the last surf we had, but I think you've just, <laughs> the last board you rode, but I think you've just gone through that. I think I started with that. That's awesome. I can't believe you rode it after. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, it was quite a freak sort of thing as well. Like, how often do you fall off and then the board rides over you? Um, oh, is that so what happened? Just, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I sort of I just completely lost balance because I, you know, I hadn't served for so long, and, and then the thing just motored over me, and and like basically <laughs> what you know, I segued when you were talking about the side of the skin it has this massive single skin, and um, and that just yeah just clunked me. I was lucky I didn't get knocked out actually. It was a bit of a bum. Yes. Yeah, um, so that was the last um, board I rode. But prior to that, you know, um, if you're interested, are we allowed to talk about the second last board we rode? Yep, we're, we can talk about whatever you like. <laughs> um, I don't want to set a precedent for future guests, but um, <laughs> yeah, my beautiful 5.7, um, 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 basically Slater board, Tomo. It's just a, it's a thing of beauty. Um, oh, really? Okay. Yeah. yeah. So what what models that and and describe the uh, general it's a no brainer. So it's, it's a okay. it's no brainer. So five seven, pretty um sort of flat deck, but but uh, quite a bit of rocker. Um, I think it's got a um quite it's got single concave. I think the whole way up the board. Like it's really it's a really interesting design. Um, quite a narrow um swallow, relatively narrow swallow for a you know, for a small board like that. Um, but it's yeah, right. so it just go, I mean, it just goes amazing. <laughs> yeah, 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 right. So, I mean, I just it wasn't so much Slater or um, what was that dude who just blew everyone out of the water with the Aussie guy at, at um, Snapper that year? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Launched that board. Yeah, it was, yeah, um, yeah. it was uh, Burez who I, I, I just love Michelle Burez's surfing and watching him on these boards, I just went, that's I just got to get me one of those. Like his, yeah, right. Um, yeah, the boards just look so responsive. And I mean, obviously, Slater, you expect that from Slater, you know. Um, but yeah. Torres, who's, I mean, he's a beautiful surfer. But um, you watch his surfing on these boards, and it's just incredible. So um, that's basically he was the one who um, effectively convinced me to um, to get one. So and I oh, love it. Stuff. Yeah. So um, so that's the second last board. I just I just have it as a thruster setup, just a standard. Yeah. So I haven't um, set with a bigger point, you know, in which case I'll, I'll throw the quad set up. But um, uh, yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a beautiful board. Nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool, cool. Um, Roscoe Pick Old Train. Well, thanks a lot for joining us in the shack. And, um, My absolute pleasure. Um, and um, yeah, I look forward to uh, hopefully being invited back on again soon. I'm not. <laughs> Yeah, sitting in the emergency room, getting staples in the back of my head from a uh, six foot five bonza. I'm listening to Dazza and Stan and Samway.
That's the end of another jam-packed episode of Soundwaves. A feast of tubes and tunes and inane mutterings capped with the magnificent cameo by Roscoe P. Coltrane. There shall be more to come in our next offering to Huey very soon. In the meantime, please remember, as our old china plate Frederick Nietzsche so eloquently put it, there are no facts, only interpretations. Stay cool and get slotted. You! <laughs>